All right, well, good morning. I'm excited to be able to share with, uh, with you this morning. Um, I am going to be um, speaking on freedom this morning. And what does freedom mean to a Christian? And so I would like to start off, um, you're, you're supposed to have like an object lesson when you do these things. Now, I'm going to start off this morning uh, with, a, with an object lesson, maybe a, um, maybe a philosophical question that I'm going to invite you guys in on this journey, journey with me. Um, I want you to imagine with me that you are on a deserted island. Okay, and it seems like it's rather, let's make it a nice island. We'll call it a, we'll call it a paradise island, all right? We can make it up. Um, and everything's going great until you encounter a deadly snake and are bitten. All right, so good, bad. Now we're, now, we're, now we're in it, which is really unfortunate because you would really like to live. Okay, so this snake is it's not good. Okay. Fortunately for you, uh, you happen to have two bottles of medicine along. Okay. One of which will immediately send your mind into a euphoric state, but will shortly thereafter prove to be deadly. This is maybe not a good bottle. Okay? All right. The other will cure you of the poison and restore you to health. All right, I'm not telling you which one is which. Just, just two bottles. Okay? That makes sense. Two bottles. The only problem is that your vision by now has become blurry and you can't read them. Okay? You can't read them. And now you have to choose which bottle to take. All right? Well, all things being equal, it would pretty much be a 50-50 shot, I'm guessing. They're exactly the same. You can't. You know, you can't tell anything different about them. 50-50 shot of choosing one or the other. Uh, you can choose either one. You can choose either one. This is, this is the first scenario, okay? I'm going to give you a second scenario. But let's suppose, in this second scenario, that you happen to remember the way that the life-giving medicine smells. You remember the way that it smells, okay? And by smelling each bottle, you can quickly and perfectly deduce which is the life-saving medicine. All right. So in this scenario, since you know which bottle is the one that will save you, you practically don't really have a choice to make. You're going you're gonna to find which that one is because, remember, you want to live. You want to live. Um, since you know which bottle you need to take, the choice is almost made for you. You know which one you're going to take. But my question to you is this, and it's not which bottle is the, ba- the bad one. That's not, that's not what I'm asking you. My question to you is this. Which person is more free to choose? The one that doesn't know what's in each bottle, or the one that does? Which person is more free? All right. I know you're trying to figure out how I'm going to tie this into a message. And the good thing for me is i got about 35 minutes to figure that out, so we're going to move on. Um, turn with me to John 8 uh, for our text for this morning. We're going to start reading uh, in verse 25, John 8. Uh, and I want to ask another question, uh, maybe a more foundational question for this message. And that's this. Do I have to be willing to give up my freedom to follow Jesus? Okay. Do I have to be willing to give up my freedom to follow Jesus? Uh, one thing that I have felt we need to be reminded of over and over again, and it's because I understand my propensity to forget this, is a proper understanding of the daily role and impact that Jesus has in our lives. The daily role and impact that he has in our lives. I believe it is easier, and I've probably shared this before, I believe it's easier to think that I need Jesus more for what he did for me than what he does for me right now. More for what he did or maybe will do for me than maybe what he does for me right now on a daily, on a daily basis. 
And we are taught to believe correctly that because of Jesus, because of the incarnation, because God became man, that our future has been affected. And by this, I mean we have hope for the future. This is, this is foundational. The Bible has lots to say about this as well. Hope in the age to come, hope of the resurrection, hope of a time when death will be defeated and when all things will be made new. We have these, we have these hopes because of Jesus. But what about the life that I am living now? What about my quest for hope and peace and joy and freedom now? Does Jesus have anything to offer me now in that regard? And in so, in what way? You know, in fact, some, some would say that in order to obtain the hope of the future that we talked about, you must give up your quest for joy and freedom in this life. That what would fulfill you in the present is at odds with the future eternity with the Lord. Kind of got to do the swap thing here. Okay? And although this applies for every person here, I specifically want to address this part to the, the youth in attendance. Um, it may seem to some that the more one follows Christ, the more restrictive one's life is. That in a sense, the closer that you could follow Christ, the more freedoms you would need to, need to give up. Have we, have we felt that way before? And our speech betrays us on this point. Have we said things like, uh, they better be glad I'm a Christian. Or, I guess I will because it's the right thing to do. Or, my, my personal favorite, uh, do you know how much money I would have if I didn't have to tithe? <laughs> we, we thought these things, okay? <clears throat> we can find ourselves living, whether consciously understanding it or not, in a way that conveys this tension, this tension that we feel. All right? That we can choose to have fun now, or we can choose to have fun later, okay? Or we can choose to be free now, or we can choose to be free later, okay? Um, that if we choose to surrender our freedom now, we can gain freedom later. We have this, this thing that we're wrestling with, all right? And of all the ways that a person can respond to someone who has done them wrong, it does indeed seem that the follower of Christ's options appear to be more limited, all right? Uh, people have come up with all sorts of ways of dealing with their enemies throughout history. All sorts of ways of dealing with their enemies. While the Christian has but one option. Love. In all the ways and options that one could seek to pursue pleasure and happiness, it would seem like the follower of Christ's choices that are available are rather minuscule. So how does one respond to this perspective? Is it, is it true? Does it have validity? This, this understanding of we give up our freedom now. So do I have to be willing to give up my freedom to follow Jesus? Well, let's get into our, our text this morning. John 8, we're going to read John 8, 25 through 30 for right now. So follow along with me. It says, So they were saying to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him... These I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak these things as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. All right, let's, let's stop right there for a minute. 
So at this point in Jesus' ministry, people are beginning to become really interested in who he is. And we can, we can see this. Um, he is beginning to become very polarizing. It's becoming apparent that there is something very different and special about him. All right, he wasn't boring. People weren't, you know, they maybe didn't like him, but he was very, you know, they were very curious. As is evidenced in verse 25, it says, So they were saying to him, Who are you? They were curious. And it's a question that is still relevant to this day, is it not? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This question continues to be one that is discussed and debated over, and we'll touch a little bit more about on this uh, later. Um, but verse 30 says, And as Jesus began to explain who he was, many came to believe in him. Many came to believe in him. And so let's look at, at the next six verses. Um, I want to spend the majority of our time this morning on the next six. We'll read them, John 8, 31 through 36. And it says this, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Well, Jesus begins to talk to those who had believed in him. This is verse 31. So many believed in him, and now he's addressing this to those people that, that had believed in him. As those who believe in Jesus as well, these verses also apply to us in a very powerful and enlightening way. So verse 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So let's unpack that just a little bit, that verse. Um, if you continue, if you continue, what does that mean? Well, Continue means to proceed, to endeavor, to live, to be faithful. It means following the way, following Christ. So if you continue in my word, the instructions of Jesus, in the faithful following of the life of Jesus. And what were some of those instructions? And I'm not going to list all of them this morning, but love your enemies, take up your cross and follow me. You have heard that it was said, but I say unto you. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Continuing in the words of Jesus is how you become a true disciple. A disciple is a follower or student of a teacher. And becoming a true disciple of Jesus is becoming like Jesus by continuing to become like Jesus. Now at this point, it, it might seem to some like Jesus is heaping regulations upon them. And, and you know, be like me, you know, do what I tell you to do. Don't do what I tell you not to do. Does, that, does it feel that way to us at times? That following Jesus uh, seems overbearing? And I'm being, I'm being honest this morning. Maybe we wouldn't use those terms when we think about it. Does it seem like following Jesus can be overbearing? I mean, to really, to really follow him. Think about what's going on in your life right now. What is happening, or what are you going through where you're saying, I know the right thing to do is this, or I know Jesus wants me to behave in this way, but 
right? It's, it's difficult and it's hard. And for us to say that it's not difficult and hard means we're not actually thinking it through, that we're not being serious about, about life. We kick against it. It doesn't make sense in our minds. And then we have this interesting line. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word, if you are truly disciples of me, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So what, what does freedom mean? You know, as, as Americans, we feel that freedom is one of the most important things, do we not? Freedom is what America is said to have been founded upon, right? Land of the free, let freedom ring, we can keep, keep going with it. Um, when one thinks of fidelity to this concept of freedom, Patrick Henry may come to mind. So again, to the, to the youngins here. Does anybody remember his famous saying that championed the independence? So you may know what Patrick Henry said. Shout it out. Okay. Give me liberty or give me death. All right, very good. Give me liberty or give me death. That's how important it was to him. It, it almost sounds like the two bottles now that I think about it. Give me liberty or give me death. Um, it would appear the one thing that Americans value more than almost anything else is their freedom. We don't like people infringing on our freedoms. Right? Stay away from my freedoms. This is so foundational that there are, after all, I think it's like five freedoms protected in the First Amendment. Make sure to get them in, right? And it would seem that we would have something in common with the Jews described in verse 33. All right? Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Apparently the same way to upset an American is the same way to upset a Jew in Jesus' day. You just tell them that they're not free. And yet aren't we prone to answer, We are Americans and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Right? Basically, we're saying, I am free. Like, I am free. Um, so the question should be asked, who's right? Were they free, or were they not free? Are we free, or are we not free? And if you say, well, Jesus said they were slaves, so they weren't free, I may respond, but they didn't believe they were slaves. And you would respond, well, whether they realized they were slaves or not doesn't change the fact that they were. And the fact that they didn't realize it only shows all the more how much enslaved they were. You see, Jesus flips and subverts there in our understanding of freedom. We can believe that we can choose to do things outside of God's plan or sin because we are free. We can choose these things because we are free. Jesus says that we do these things because we are in bondage. And what Jesus says is true for them is true for us today. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone who sins is a slave. Everyone who sins is not free. And while their world was, and our world is tempted to believe, that Jesus came to fix things in the world. Remember, I mean, he's the Messiah. We're going to crown him. He's going to get rid of the, the, the Romans. He came to fix things in this world, to make the world right, things external to us. Jesus repeatedly reveals that he came to fix us. Oh, we love to tell Jesus where the problems are, what he needs to solve, as if he is needed out there somewhere. Oh, the world just needs Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. The problems are here. 
I need to be set free. I need to be changed. But see, in order to come to that conclusion, I have to realize who I am and who Jesus is. And I want to state that again. So much, if not all, of the delusion and confusion that we experience in life is due to the fact that we don't fully understand who we are and who Jesus is. So back to the issue at at hand of freedom. Here's another question for you to ponder. Um, Was Jesus the most free human to ever live, or was he the least free? Were there more constraints upon Jesus or less constraints? If I were to ask you, can a person find true freedom outside of God, we would all say no. You can't find true freedom outside of God. But then if I were to say, does a person who wants to follow Jesus have to give up their freedoms? Well, now maybe we aren't quite sure what to say. And so it appears we have two different ways of looking at freedom, two different opposing ideas of freedom. Following my own path can feel like freedom. It's my freedom to do this. Or following God's path is that freedom. So which one is it? Which one is freedom? If God is freedom and Jesus' will was perfectly aligned with God, because after all, Jesus was God, then Jesus was the most free person to ever live. So how can living in a way where I become like Christ mean giving up my freedom? That I would become less free if I become like Jesus. It, it, it can't. Can it? And the confusion lies in the way that we define or have come to define freedom as merely the ability to choose. As merely the ability to choose. And specifically that we can choose, and this is important, that we can choose what will satisfy us. That we can choose what will satisfy us. That we can decide what will satisfy our nature. But, Christianity makes the claim that we have been created in the image of God. Is it not? Because of this, our innermost desire is for God. And in the common uh, modern vernacular, this has been expressed in in different ways, but something like this you're familiar with. Um, Every person has a God-shaped void in them or their life that only he can fill. I think we maybe have heard something like that. Um, You won't find peace until you find God. We are born into a world filled with people acting and behaving and making choices based off of what they think will bring them happiness, peace, and contentment. But neither you nor they can determine what will actually bring happiness, peace, and contentment. You are not your own creator. I'm not my own creator. You cannot change who you were created to be. You cannot change the resting place for your being, the only place you will find rest, which is union with your creator. You cannot decide the place where you will find peace and joy. That has already been decided. So what does it mean to be free? I mean, it's been decided. That doesn't, what does it mean to be free? Or better yet, what does it mean for creatures created in the image of God to be free? What does it mean for us to be free? But what has become the common way to understand freedom is simply having the ability to choose, and we talked about that. Uh, the ability to choose for myself is what makes me free. I can just choose. Having no constraints on my choices. That is considered freedom. It's choosing to make myself into who I want and not being limited by anything in the pursuit of who I want to be. 
life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But true freedom cannot be separated from who you are, from your true nature, from who God created you to be. To be truly free, and this is important, to be truly free is to be at liberty to realize who you were created to be like, which is Christ, and to be able to flourish towards that end. To be truly free is to be able to realize who you were created to be like and to be able to flourish towards that end. You cannot decide or choose what will ultimately make you happy. Union with God is the only joyous fulfillment of your nature. Being found perfect and whole and complete in your Creator. Even if you were to choose to reject God on this earth or eternally, it will not make you happy. You cannot decide, this will make me happy. This will bring joy. Choosing to be selfish, full of self-love, wanting revenge, longing to be the greatest, seeking after whatever fruit that is pleasing to the eye, will not fulfill you. And I think we all experience that. It is not freedom, because you were created to only be fulfilled by God. And Jesus is the only way to discover this truth. So, does knowing what will satisfy your nature make you less free or more free? And let me phrase it maybe in a different way. Does knowing the path out of bondage make you less free or more free? And the answer, of course, is more free. Knowing what will truly satisfy your nature makes you freer than if you didn't. If you know what will satisfy your nature, it makes you freer than if you don't. But if you know, then your options or choices become infinitely less, don't they? And at last, maybe I'm able to find a way to tie back our original scenario of Eve and the serpent in the garden. Sorry, I mean you and the snake in the paradise island. So, so who was more free in their choice? In the first scenario, the odds were 50-50 of choosing right. And both bottles were viable options. Both were viable options. You didn't know. You just, you didn't know. They're both viable options. In the second, where you knew which one would save your life, the odds of choosing the poison bottle is almost zero. You really only have one to choose. I, I guess you could be suffering from heat stroke and choose the poisoned bottle anyway because you think it sound, side effects sound awesome. I guess you could drank too much seawater. But in that case, even in that case, we would not say that you were free. We would say that you are delusional and in bondage, wouldn't we? We would say, that's not a free choice. Something's wrong there. That's crazy. But our illustration really does come down to our understanding of Eve in the garden, doesn't it? And so this is, this is the question. Was she more free or less free before the serpent showed up? It's interesting how we feel like without the serpent, she wouldn't, maybe wouldn't have been free. When in reality, as the story goes, without the serpent, she wouldn't have been deceived. The ability to choose is not what makes you free. Hear me out here. The ability to choose is not what makes you free. The ability to choose well is what makes you free. And the ability to choose well comes from knowing the truth. 
Freedom is not exhibited in having lots of options to choose from. Freedom is exhibited by being able to choose well. Only through the transformative process of knowing and encountering Jesus can we gain the ability to choose well and be free. This means we are not free merely because we can choose, but only, only when we have chosen well. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, having the power to choose is not what makes you free. Having the power to choose well is what makes you free. To be able to make a choice while understanding the truth, free from delusion and confusion, and so to choose what will truly satisfy your nature, which in this example was, I want to live. I'm going to choose the one to make me live. This is what it means to be free. You know, last Sunday, um, as, as is normally the case when I preach, Dave tramples ahead of me, and he spoke about Adam and Eve in the garden. And, uh, and I agree, and if you remember that, he was talking about um, is temptation, when we're tempted, is temptation itself a sin, is what he was getting at. You know, and I agree that when Eve was considering, deliberating, attempting to determine whether to trust the serpent or God, whether to trust her eyes and desires or the goodness of her creator, while she was contemplating, she had not sinned. But I also want to point out that she was not fully free. She didn't know God fully, and she did not know herself fully. She did not know that outside of God, she could not satisfy her nature. She didn't know if she could trust God. We are tempted to speak of Eve being able to sin because God created her free. It is commonly said that it was out of her free choice or freedom that she sinned. But scripture says that she chose wrongly because she was deceived. If she had known the truth, she would not have been able to be deceived. And therefore, she would have been free. It was out of her ignorance and doubt that in the search for her good, what she thought was good, she left the true source of good and life. And when we do the same thing, we call it freedom. Jesus calls it bondage. Anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Being able to choose is not what makes you free. Being able to choose well. And you can't choose well if you don't know the truth. To know what it is that will fulfill your nature, and so to freely choose it, is what makes you free. You know, we spent a lot of time this morning talking about truth and the role that it plays in freeing us. Um, but there are many who may, along with Pilate, ask the question, what is truth? What is truth? We hear that question all the time. How helpful is it to say that the truth will set us free if we can't agree on what the truth is? Well, in John 14, 4 through 6, and you don't need to turn there if you don't want to. John 14, 4 through 6, Jesus says, And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to be leaving them soon. And he said, um, just kind of offhand, and you know the way to where I'm going. I'm going to be gone, and you know the way to where I'm going. And, and as only Thomas can say, 
uh, hold up a second, uh, we don't even know where you're going, so how we know the way? I mean, am I the only one thinking this, right? Can we relate to that? How many times do we ask God to show us the way? The way through conflict, the way through worry and doubt, the way through bondage and to freedom, right? We pray, Lord, show us the way. Jesus says, I am the way. He says there is no other way outside of me. No other way to peace, happiness, joy. No other way to freedom. He is the only way to enter into unity with God. Jesus says, I am the truth. There is no truth outside of him. I am the truth. Truth is not some abstract concept. It is not something that changes. It is not some idea. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the life. There is no life outside of Jesus. To know Jesus is to know life. To know Jesus is to know truth. And the truth will set you free. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus offers us more than we could ever hope for. He is these things now. And we may say, I don't know the way. Come to Jesus. I don't know the truth. Seek Jesus. I feel so broken. I just, I just want to live. I am the life. So how do truth and freedom relate to each other? Well, you can't have one without the other. You know, we can be tempted to believe that there are many things that will fulfill our nature, and that's obvious. We express that in, our, in the choices we make every, every day. That there are many ways that will bring us peace and joy. But that, that is a fallacy. Jesus created you. This part is clear. And he wants to continue creating you. Jesus knows what will fulfill your inmost nature and desires because he created you. Our bad, sinful, selfish choices will never get us what we want. Jesus wants to continue to grow us and free us by continuing to create us into the likeness of himself. You know, we can be tempted to believe that following Jesus, as we talked about in the beginning, will cause us to have to give up some or most of our freedoms. When in reality, following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, will actually cause us to give up our bondage. Isn't that interesting how that flips? And to the extent that we are not able to realize that is to the exact extent that we are in bondage. You can have no truth without Jesus. You can have no freedom apart from truth. You cannot fully know the truth and not be free. And so, just to tie this back into our last Wednesday evening discussion, we, we were talking about who are the least of these, and what does it mean for us as Christians to interact with them. And, um, and I, was, I was thinking about that as I was preparing this, and, um, you know, a fully alive, free soul consumed by Jesus loves the least of these freely out of his heart because he has been wholly transformed by the truth and the love of Christ. I think we would all agree with that. A fully alive, free soul, consumed by Jesus, loves the least of these freely out of his heart because he has been wholly transformed by the truth and love of Christ. But on the other hand, to the very extent that we decide to help the least of these merely because we are supposed to, 
it shows the extent that we are still in bondage. And you may say, man, sometimes I feel closer to that second guy than the first. Uh, does that mean I'm not saved, that I don't know Jesus? And I want to say this morning, well, first of all, get in line behind me on feeling like the second guy, number one. Um, but, but, I, but I want to say this morning that no, it, it does not mean that you aren't saved. But it does mean that you and I have room to grow in continuing to be transformed by the truth and the love of Jesus. It does mean that we are not fully free and therefore still in bondage. It means that there is more sanctification that needs to take place. Sanctification, there's different definitions, but the one that applies here would be the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. Being purified. Now some of you may be thinking, but I'm a Christian and I I don't feel free. I don't feel free. Maybe in some things, but but not in others. So where does that fit in? You know, does that mean that I don't know Jesus, the truth such free? I don't I, mean, I don't feel free. Well, freedom is not an either or proposition. Uh, we have been called out of bondage into freedom, but this is not something that we have fully obtained completely. And I think that's important for us and especially as as older Christians in dealing with some of the younger to be able to exhibit this process and not this concept of I have it all figured out and I'm perfectly free and you struggle because there's something you're not having attained. Um, it, it is through this process, a journey of becoming like Christ, being true disciples, that we are able to perceive the truth for what it really is. Or should I say for whom he really is. And this is what will make you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I need to wrap up. Freedom in Christ is one of those already but not yet concepts. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's, I've really come to appreciate that, that term. It's just like the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not fully realized. We, have already, we already have freedom in Christ, but we are not yet completely free. It's a continued relationship. So what are we to do when we need things in us to be transformed? And that's kind of the question we're getting at, right? Well, Jesus is the lover of your soul. Take your heart and seek him. Meet him. Commune with him. You cannot encounter Jesus and not be changed. Jesus is not just taking care of the past and the future. Jesus wants to encounter you now. You know, Paul himself says in Romans 7, 18-19, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. So does this sound like a perfect picture of freedom to you? This is, this is Paul we're talking about. Notice this oscillation that Paul is describing inside of himself, and we can all relate to it. This deliberation, right? The fact that we even think about it, Temptation, that is. Whether we fall prey to it or not. The fact that we are even like thinking about it. The fact that we deliberate shows that we are not completely free. And as we grow in our understanding and knowledge of the truth, we grow in our freedom. And as we grow in our freedom, we may discover that there are less and less choices to be made. Until at last, if not on this side of life, then on the other. We find that the concept of a conscious choice has simply melted away we will become completely free as he is. 
And so if you haven't heard anything else I've said this morning, or if everything I've said has been super confusing, all right, I just want to leave a few things. Um, just, just hear this. Knowing truth, sorry, knowing Christ is to know truth. To fully know Christ is to fully know truth. And the truth will set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You cannot know the truth and not be free, for the truth makes you free. And if you are not free, it is because you do not fully know the truth. And this is not a condemnation. This is an invitation. You cannot fully know Jesus and not be free. And isn't that what this life is about? Being transformed, gaining freedom, which is becoming like Christ? Being a slave to sin will not bring you happiness and joy in this life. Only God can fulfill your nature. You were created for union with God, and anything else is merely a deception. You may call your ability to choose things outside of God freedom. You may do that. Jesus calls it bondage. In fact, our reliance upon our own understanding has led to every problem imaginable. And Romans 8, 8 says that all creation is groaning because we as sons and daughters are living fantasies. And not to know the way to God is not freedom. It's precisely the bondage from which Christianity claims God in Christ came to free us. Not to know the way to God, you say, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know what it is, is not freedom. It's precisely the bondage from which Christianity claims that God in Christ came to free us. And so many times we have it backwards. We can think that we have to give up our freedom if we want to follow God. When we actually become more free, the more we follow him, the more we know him. We may be tempted to think that to follow Jesus means we have to give up our freedom, when instead, only by following him can we actually gain it. And so rather than looking at Christ as a savior that brings freedom externally for us, as if the issue of who is holding us hostage exists outside of us, which we talked about, we need to see him as our savior who brings true freedom internally to us now. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Freedom comes from understanding and knowing the truth, knowing Jesus. And so, to end, and an answer to the question at the beginning, do I have to be willing to give up my freedoms to follow Jesus? The answer is no. But you do have to be willing to give up your bondage. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Our innermost longings are for you and for the true freedom that only you can bring. For the ways that we fail to see this and fall short, have mercy on us. We have all followed our own paths away from you and called it freedom. But everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Look upon us in our bondage, Lord, and have mercy on us. We trust in your redemptive power in our lives, knowing that only in you can true freedom be found. And we cling to your promise that who the Son sets free, 
is free indeed. Amen.